Hello, I'm Grayson Brulte, and welcome to another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today. If you haven't already, please kindly take a moment to follow and be notified when a new episode is released. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Alan Kornhauser, Professor, Operations, Research, and Financial Engineering, and Chair, Princeton Autonomous Vehicles Engineering, Princeton University. Princeton University is known for economics today. They're, they're known for graduating some of the smartest individuals in the world, including several U.S. presidents. What Princeton perhaps is not well as known for is their autonomous vehicle engineering. Alan Kornhauser joined us today to pull back the curtain on, on all things autonomy, all things happening in Princeton from his first involvement with rapid transit in 1971 to his involvement with the 2005 DARPA challenge, the 2007 DARPA Ur- urban challenge with the Princeton robotics team to today. We covered a lot of ground. We shined a positive light on Princeton and we hope you enjoy this conversation. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Grayson, really nice to be here with you. I'm super excited to have you here today because you're a gentleman who's never short on an opinion. (laughs) (laughs) What can I do? I mean, it's, yep. Well, you have an opinion on autonomous vehicles. You have a very valid opinion. You have a a well-read column with your smart driving cars, which I recommend everybody subscribes to your newsletter. This is not an overnight fluke for you. You've been doing this since 1971 when you became first interested in personal rapid transit. What was that aha moment that sparked it and say, okay, Alan's going five feet in on all things mobility? Well, back in 71, it was, uh, uh, we were going to Mars. And guess what? We got to the moon and we said, boring. And all of a sudden, all my degrees in aerospace engineering were what are you going to do with them? And I ran into some people. I was a, a new assistant professor at the University of Minnesota, ran into some people that said, my goodness, all this technology we used to get to the moon that we were going to go to Mars with, why don't we apply it to moving people in cities? And I said, huh, hey, sounds sounds like perfect. Time to pivot, you know, ba-ba-boom, ba-ba-boom. And, um, and it was really exciting because because it was all about automation and all about doing it uh, origin to destination on demand and so on, uh, recognizing that the kind of uh, mobility demand that existed in cities is not a whole bunch of people want to go from one point to another point, but really a bunch of people spread all over the place wanting to go all over the place, really a network problem. When you see the, the combinatorials of origins and destinations, you see that you never have a whole heck of a lot of people going between any two. And you see that, my goodness, uh, why it, it, it was generated because cars could only handle a few. Why don't we build systems that can handle a few and do that? The key thing there was let's build a guideway. Let's build stations. Let's have vehicles be able to automatically go between places and provide that service. Wait at a station for you to go someplace elevator analogy emanated from that and it was a great idea you could see that you could have a 24 7 365.25 almost and 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 the nice thing about it because it's on its own guideway uh there are no kids playing ball out there so the, the automation piece of it was almost trivial and so uh you know for 40 years i like to say i carried the tablets of prt through the desert and so on you know, but at Mount Sinai, you know, the, there was the golden uh, uh, idols and worshiping and the 
the bushes burning and, you know, we built three systems around the world, you know, and that's it. Uh, you know, one in Morgantown, West Virginia, it's almost 50 years old, uh, worked essentially perfectly for 50 years, but it never got anywhere. And of course, the reason it never got anywhere is you needed new infrastructure. You needed to build the guideway. And so when we looked at these things for, let's say, New Jersey, where you would have maybe 10,000 stations, 10,000 miles of guideway, it costs you, you know, a quarter of a trillion <laughs> if you could get the right of way. Oh my goodness. I mean, you don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. And so the big, the big thing, the, the big transformation was with the DARPA challenge, which, you know, because of what DARPA said, hey, you know, we're not building no roads for you. <laughs> we want you to put the intelligence in the vehicle and make it do, do all this stuff using existing infrastructure. Brilliant. I mean, that's the concept. So that you can you can essentially go easily out there. You can you can dabble. You can you can be a Steve Jobs and have a garage and get one car to work. You get one car to work, and then you replicate. You replicate. You replicate. You replicate. What's the cost of replication? Software zero. You know, and the and the gizmos on there, the sensors and the actuator in scale, Moore's lawish, goes to zero. Boom, we have a way to get started. Huh, but when was, you know, that's been now 15 plus years ago. And where are we today? Well, we're still struggling to get started. We might still be early. If you want to use a baseball analogy, we're still in the first inning. You can even say we're in the top of the first inning. We haven't even gone to the, the bottom of the first inning yet. You I don't know. We, we may still be warm-ups. If we're at warm-ups, you were there in 2005 at DARPA, there 2007, the Urban Challenge. Then we're that. We're then would you use the analogy that was we were in spring training of the minor leagues? Then we were in low A ball. Is that what you would consider that? Yeah, junior high. You know, yeah. I mean, look, yeah, we did great things. I mean, the stuff I did with my undergraduate students with no money and whatever is kind of really neat. But you know, that's the first sixty percent, maybe. Then you got to get to 80%. Then you got to get to 90%. Then you have to get to 99%. And you knows of any 99.9 whatevers. And as we know, those those other little pieces end up being non-trivial. We still might be in the, in the warm-ups. You clearly stated from the PRT that infrastructure was a huge burden. We have, and, and he's no longer CEO Waymo, but when Kraftcheck, John Kraftcheck was CEO Waymo, he made a lot of public statements about Waymo will not rely on infrastructure in the various right, public right, forms. Right, 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 right. We're seeing more of the Atomzoka companies on the passenger side say they're not going to re rely on infrastructure. Is that that technically could be the top the top of the first inning where they understand the need not to rely on infrastructure? Then as they go into the bottom of the first, Waymo expands the Chandler OTD crew starts operating in San Francisco for paying passengers. That could realistically be going to the bottom of the first inning where revenue is being generated in multiple states. I think that's going to be a big game changer. There's small OTDs, but if it's revenue in, say, Florida, Arizona, and California, that's a very big positive step forward. What do you think? I, I think that is a positive step forward. And, and I take my hat off to, uh, to Waymo for being, for being in the revenue business in Chandler, with a mobility business. 
Okay, now, you know, it may not be all that, you know, somebody wants it to be, but at least it's there. So I'd say, I'd give it, I'd give it, you know, the top of the first inning thing. And if we get, get to having um, uh, GM crews out there with folks other than their own employees in there, which I don't know if they do, but if, 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 if I'm Kyle, I would not put anybody of any of my own employees unless I told them, hey, here's a little button and things start going bad, you hit it, okay? I, I mean, because I could have that in my pocket and, 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 and hey, it might bail me out. I can go then go and say, hey, look, we've been doing this for X months and whatever, who knows how many trips and so on. Nobody ever has hit the button. To me, if Kyle tells me that, I'll believe it, okay? <laughs> him, him having those people in there without the button doesn't make it any better than people being in there with the button. With the button, is it is better because in case, you know, one of these curveballs comes from Mother Nature, and you know she has a mean curveball, and boom, you know it'd be nice if we had a button. Okay, hey, now we learned that when we can train it, we can deal with it. You won't need to use the button next time when when she throws that curveball. So, you know this whole business of people out there testing without anybody in the vehicle. Is like, is anybody awake? And apparently Pennsylvania wants to pass regulations that says you can go out there and test with nobody in the vehicle. Are you, I mean, is anybody awake? Why would you want to do that? Doesn't do you any good. If the system works, you can just say the person didn't do anything. Great. That's what the whole disengagement issue is about. Okay. Get the darn thing to work so you don't have to disengage. But when you're testing and all of a sudden that, you know, now the slider comes in there, whew, I might need that. And if I need it, it's better doing that than, oh my goodness, I get arrested, I get thrown in jail, I get prosecuted, I, you know, I have to pay whatever. Or as Uber saw, as I like to claim, they lost $60 billion in, in valuation. Boom. You don't want that. What, what good would it have done? It's going to come down to public trust the california disengagement reports were a huge mistake and they create a lot of false narratives they they're the people run with the narratives creates false misleading headlines which erodes public trust and you know this without public trust we have nothing and the companies of you of course kyle understands that it crews brian understands that we have no customers we have no customers if they don't think it's safe they're gonna get in i was in new york today got in the cab why? Because I thought it was safe. If I think that sucker's not going to be safe and I don't know how to use a button and all that stuff, are you kidding me? I'm going to get in? What? For, for, for a Disneyland ride? Why did you think the cab was safe when cabs have an, a, a, a very public crash record of doing... They do not drive the safest. And there's no seatbelts in the back. Why would you think that was necessarily safe? Was it just years of operations? Years of operation. I've used them for years. It's New York City. If you don't walk, don't take the subway. You take a cab. I mean, you, you hail a cab. I mean, you know, hey, nothing is safe. If I want to be perfectly safe today, I would have stayed home. And then my house would have burned down and I would be worse off. I mean, you kidding me? Get fried in my house? I mean, look, life's a risk. Okay? Seriously. 
So all this Vision Zero stuff that they do, okay, might get you a couple votes, but I don't know. Do you really want the votes for people that actually believe that? I don't know. Never mind. We won't go there. <laughs> the whole industry hinges on trust. You're right. And there is, there is a big political battle brewing behind the scenes. You have issues inside of the federal government where... They're on one side of autonomy. They're on the other side of autonomy. You're seeing it in California with the DMV Tesla. That's if you want to call it a mud fight or whatever you want to call it. So there's a lot of tension in this industry. It can go a lot of ways. It can go wrong ways. Then you have the, um, it broke about an hour ago, the port of LA, the drivers want to unionize. And they said, we're, until we unionize, we're not going to drive anymore. That and you know what that's going to happen to supply chain and what's going to happen to continue to happen to inflation. Does automation step in and say, wait a second, we can work 24-7, we can lower the cost of goods, we can operate in a safe manner. Does all of this this back and forth infighting create that avenue for autonomous to go right down there and say, look, we're neutral, we're nonpartisan. All we want to do is move somebody, a passenger, safely from point A to point B, and we want to help lower the cost of goods. So instead of paying $8 for a gallon of orange juice, you can pay $6. Or instead of paying $10 for a pound of hamburger meat, you can pay $4. That's a very big winning political argument for around inflation. Well, I, I think I think there, there, there are two aspects, if I'd like to say, with respect to automation. There's the one aspect of automation that, that's in the vehicles that we drive or that truck drivers drive that go help them in the driving piece of it, but they stay there. That's, that's to me, one whole business associated with that. In some sense, that's where Tesla is. That's where, where General Motors is. Uh, that's where you know Mercedes and, and Acura and so on are. And then there's the other in which you're providing mobility. Okay, the, 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 the thing that you're moving is a passive thing. Uh, if I'm on the New York City subway system, you know, I, I can go try to knock on the operator's uh, window and say, hey, go faster. But, he, you know, he's going to, you don't know what he's going to do to me. You know, <laughs> when I'm on United Airlines, I can go knock on the, the door. They'll probably arrest me because you're not supposed to be up there and say, hey, yo, fly faster. But, but, the, but those, all those things are, are sitting there providing mobility to me or to you or, or to this can of Coke, okay? That's, that, that's a whole other business. Now, if there are various ways to move things, you know, American Airlines competes with United, competes with Delta and so on. And so, yeah, why not? We can have competition in moving people. We can have competition moving goods. You have UPS, you have Postal Service, you have, you have FedEx, you have Amazon, you do, do, do. Hey, have some other folks in there. Uh, hey, we are a capitalistic society, hopefully. We have antitrust laws that says, hey, competition is great. Somebody else could come and say, we're going to move this stuff with, with this gizmo. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I would hope the legislature wouldn't go out there and say, hey, no, 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 you have to have a human in there. I really? 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 I'm, I don't know. Seems silly. Seems like it should be open season. Now, you know, what that, that does for labor and so on, I don't know. I mean, there used to be a lot of people working a lot of jobs like I mean, think about all the accountants there used to be with like green eye shades in rooms with 
with the Monroe calculators and whatever. Well, Jesus, I mean, Excel, Microsoft with Excel spreadsheets, you know, unemployed how many of those MBAs that did that in the 50s? Whoa, okay, I don't know if they're union, non-union. Look, I mean, you know, automation of various things ends up, you know, taking what we do with our muscles and do it with other stuff or what we do with our eyes and hands and do it with other stuff. This is, you know, this is just along the evolution of that stuff, I think. And I think that's the way we should look at it. Without automation, can the economy continue to grow over the long term? Yeah, maybe, but automation certainly helps it because guess what automation does? It reduces the cost of production. You reduce the cost of production and people can make more money and offer it cheaper and we end up consuming more. So it certainly helps. Uh, do we all want to get back in the fields and, and plow the and uh, to plow the fields and so on as opposed to having 2% of the population produce all the food that we would ever need to eat? I don't think we want to go back to 4% of the population or 8 or 12 or whatever it was, who knows how many years ago. And we probably want to get closer to one and and do other things with our time or maybe just stay in our parents' basements and play video games. You know, why do we have to have, not to get into religion, but, you know, the Presbyterian ethic of, you know, you got to work. Really? I don't know, when when you need the whole family to go out and, you know, raise the food and, and hunt, maybe then you needed it now. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. But I don't want to go into religion, please. I know nothing about it, so <laughs> we can't do that, Grayson. Yeah. You, we're not, we won't go in, into religion, but you bring up the point of video games. Video games are, are microeconomies into themselves. You have the secondary market for NFTs and, and weapons and skins and levels. That's a whole brewing micro economy. Look at what Microsoft apparently is paying for Activision. Holy mackerel. Whoa. Yow. It's part of the economy, of course. And maybe it's, you know, you look at all the entertainment and so on that we have and in, in, in video and music and da 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 you know? NFL football entertainment, you know? Pfft, look at that. <laughs> Microsoft under Satya Nadella has been a phenomenal company. It's run completely different, and, and I tip my hat to the gentleman because he's created a tremendous amount of shareholder value. Mr. Nadella, you're doing a, a great job. You're making shareholders a lot of money. But I want to go back to the Activision. So Microsoft got it at a discount because of the, the board issues that Activision's having. But the market reaction today, Sony went down 13%. I repeat, 13% decline for Sony. High, highest one-day decline in Tokyo since 2008, which we went through the Great Recession. That decline was all about PlayStation and Call of Duty. Microsoft will pull Call of Duty from the PS5, make it exclusive to the Xbox, and holy cannolis, Sada Nadella, again, created immense shareholder value. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, that's a business. And in some sense, I hope a similar kind of thing happens with driverless mobility. You know, somebody takes this thing and breaks it open and really starts delivering societal value out of it. And everybody said, whoa, here we go. 
Okay, because because there there has to you know there has to be enormous economies of scale associated with that. There has to be a vision that in fact the, the market for this thing, you know, probably again bringing the price down to allow more to be consumed to be to be used to to do what people are only doing this to to make their lives better. They're doing it because they they want to. They like it, not because anybody somebody's forcing them into terrible labor things to do it so wonderful they love it before we get into the trenton projects that you're working on i want to stand the microsoft theme here for a moment microsoft's invested in cruise they invested in wave yesterday they've invested in several other av companies is microsoft's autonomous vehicle plans a giant azure cloud grab to get all the compute power to go onto azure or do you feel that microsoft has a larger av play at hand well, I guess it's it's sort of it might parallel a little bit of what maybe Apple has in here. I, I I think I think all those are looking at the vehicles that we currently drive, and how to make them more comfortable and more and and more hospitable. Okay, and 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 why? Because you know how many of those things do we sell every year? Sixteen million maybe 20 million somewhere you know in those numbers that's just in the u.s in terms of the numbers of those things that we all own that we could we might be able to upgrade that all of a sudden you now have an opportunity to upsell somebody from from you know you're not just buying your 55 chevy in the showroom and now going out and driving it but you know it's you know over there, updating of improving this capability, that capability, engaging you here, doing this, doing that, uh, you know, and, and, and making it that kind of environment, the amount of time we all spend in those things. There is, you know, as Adam Jonas has been saying for some amount of time, there is an enormous amount of money available in just the mobility market, you know, a, a buck a person mile or a buck a vehicle mile, you know, it's it's 10 trillion a year worldwide. You know, th those numbers are, are big numbers, even for a Microsoft. And so to to play more with that to to uh, and, and all the, the the cloud services that you need to support all that thing to do, there's there's a lot of business in that. When you look at the service services industry and you look at Apple services businesses going gangbusters, the growth there is absolutely phenomenal. That's what powered the stock to three to three trillion market cap. I think I've been thinking a lot about Project Titan, Apple's quote unquote AV program that nobody seems to know anything about. And I said, what if Project Titan is not a vehicle? It's some sort of development to understand EV charging where Apple integrates EV charging into Apple Wallet or into iOS. So if you're Alan, you're at a Blink charger or ChargePoint charger, Electrify America, you don't have to download a different app. You just open up your iOS, it's all built in there and boop, and then Apple gets a percentage of all of that charging revenue. It, well, it, it's 10 cents here, five cents there, but think about the, the massive scale of revenue that provides to Apple to building it into the operating system and just tapping into the NFC chips in that hardware. Apple just completely commoditized that hardware and opened up another services revenue, and Wall Street will rave. Maybe. I mean, maybe you do it through electrification. I don't think you need electrification. I mean, if you look at, if you look at what they've been trying to sell Apple Play or CarPlay or whatever they call it inside of vehicles to basically, uh, basically be the hub 
for your entertainment while you're traveling in your car, okay? And, and, and to go from an AM, FM radio with an 8-track to Apple Play to wherever that ends up going next, I mean, to me, that, that's, that's, that may very well be the, the, you know, the real place, including EV charging, maybe, okay? Maybe, I mean, you know, they're, the, the whole EV thing to me is somewhat questionable. One, I don't necessarily believe that, you know, it is all that carbon reducing because, you know, plus, holy mackerel, I mean, you know, we've got to get rid of coal before we get rid of gasoline. And so we should be using all of our electricity to get rid of coal, not to get rid of gasoline, but, you know, that's my whatever. And then when you get really right down to it, do you, do you have any idea what kind of monopoly one is creating if all of our stuff is not, is not all of our energy comes from electrons? I can't cook with gas anymore. I can't heat my house with gas anymore. I can't use gasoline in my car anymore. I have to go to Enron to buy my electricity. Enron, I mean, a new Enron's gonna come in here. I don't know, yipes. I mean, whoa, I have no idea. I always thought electricity was expensive. My father said, turn out the light. We can't afford the electricity, you know? I mean, now, whoo, I don't know. I mean, and to now play, take that and play it within now the entertainment and all the other stuff that, you know, Apple, there's room for Apple, there's room for Microsoft. There, there's, 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 there's money there, and I'm sure they see it. While there's money there, you brought up the issue with carbon. You're correct. We do not. There are, there are plans. I want to emphasize there are plans, but today there is no mine that is operating 100% carbon neutral. So that's a huge issue. So we we have the mining of it, which is not great for the environment. We have a shortage of of lithium refining. I repeat, lithium refining. We have unstable political governments around the world that will limit the access to the raw materials. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Are we repeating the same mistake that we made years ago with, with the Seven Sisters, which became OPEC? Are we creating a similar thing today with lithium, whoever's going to control the supply chain for that, and the market will just run volatile? It's not just the lithium. Where are all the electrons going to come from? Okay, I mean, if you look, I, I love the Lawrence Livermore energy flow charts. Why? Because they show you, you know, where does it come from? Where does it go? And my goodness, if you look at how much of our energy that we use today comes from so-called so free stuff, it's like, yo. Okay, and now, you know, we know. We're now not only going to have to replace the coal, which is, I don't know, 20-some percent of our energy today. We now have to do the, 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 the gasoline, which is a third out of stuff that currently contributes less than 10 percent. Now, it's really going to grow that big, that fast? That's what it, and then who, who is, that, is, that, is that a monopoly? Is that even a cartel? I mean, I think it's a monopoly. It's not even a cartel. At least a cartel, they have some few guys that sort of said, oh, no, I'm not going to follow the rules and what to do. You know, I mean, whoa. 
I, I don't know, I, but that, that's a whole other topic. But I think it's an important topic here. It's nice that we are moving into electricity for our ground transportation system. But, but I think we better be careful how fast we get there because we're gonna, we might very well trip over ourselves like we can't believe. We also have to look at the capacity of the grid to handle it and run demand modeling based on car sales. And then we also have to look at cybersecurity. What are the cybersecurity implications? That's an issue that's not discussed enough. Probably not discussed enough because we don't know. Because, you know, some of that is, you know, 13-year-olds in their parents' basements just trying to be cute. And then there are the so-called Russians and all the other folks that, are, you know, so can sit back someplace and who knows what and sit there and, whew, and, and do stuff. So, yeah, that's an issue. I think it keeps a lot of, psych, uh, you know, uh, security experts, you know, well-employed. But, you know, yes, it's, of course, anytime you integrate things too tightly, there may be, you know, one little piece that makes it collapse, okay? It breaks it all apart. If you have a bunch of independent pieces sort of running around, you know, doing whatever, then it's pretty tough to, first of all, harness all those guys, uh, those entities, and, and, and do something that maybe isn't all so good. Uh, you know, um, some people like to be able to organize everything, put everything tight, and sit there and control it. Of course, I like to do that if I'm the guy that's controlling it. I mean, if it's you controlling it, Grayson, I'm not on board. Okay, sorry, I'm independent, man. <laughs> no, but but you know, and, and that's worse. To me, some of the smart city stuff sort of falls down. I mean, sure, I can have a smart city if I'm the if I'm the smart guy that's there telling everybody else what the hell to do. But as we're finding out so starkly in this pandemic, it's tough to tell people what to do. They have independent minds. And so even though you have your nice five-year plan that, you know, do, 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 there's nobody out there willing to pick the potatoes. The five-year plan goes down the tubes. And so anyways, some autonomy, some independence. I mean, we're... This is the U.S. of A. We're all about independence, aren't we? <laughs> and autonomy. We, we love our independence. We also love our privacy. And privacy is going to be a big defining issue. Yeah, and privacy too. Absolutely. You got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's an issue that, that's going to have to be addressed. You're seeing it addressed in smart cities where they're trying to put LIDARs or non-facial recognition technology in cities instead of using cameras. So you have that debate that's only going to continue. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, only what I look like is private, not what the surface construct of my, my face. That's not private. Bull, it's all private. Okay, damn it. Okay. And, and you know, the, the, the privacy thing is we individually should own the stuff that we do and the stuff that is part of our body. It's ours, okay? And data about us is ours. We may wish to sell it to somebody if we wish, but that's ours. It's not somebody else's to just grab. 
I think anyway, but you know, that gets into the law. It's your IP. You, you, you dress the way you dress. I dress the way I dress. It's my IP. It's my IP. Absolutely. It is our, it's our IP. Absolutely. And, and you, you go, you know, copy that and download it on your own. And, you know, that's just like taking all my patents and so on and creating auto or whatever. And then you open, <laughs> <laughs> then you open the question of the metaverse. So you're going to take your IP and you're going to put it in the metaverse. Uh, under, if you look at music or vi- or, or television or movies, you should get paid Absolutely. a royalty. Here's the Allen Avatar. I want a royalty for every time somebody yeah, dresses no. like you. <laughs> I, I'd be paying your royalty because I'd like to dress like you. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, but. Yeah, and and you may wish to, you know, put yours in with the others and get some return, or if somebody just uses it for non not no economic value, maybe you can use it. Okay, so I, you know, I can I can play a Beatles song or something like that without having to pay a royalty. But if I, you know, go and in a venue in which you know I'm asking people to come in and listen to Beatles song and collecting money, then. You know, they deserve a kick. They, they they deserve a piece of it. They might deserve all of it. You have to register if you're going to operate Allen's Pub. You have to register with a, with a PRO, Performing Rights Organization, and you do have to pay to CSAC or ASCAP and or BMI. You of have course. To pay and, and, and people that do that have agreed, yes, it's fair. Yes, I'm using you to create a market for something. Yeah, sure, share. Why not? I mean, it's it's only it's only business. Looking at the business of markets, there's a market that could completely – disrupt this week jay rogers class of 95 co-founder locomotors they shut down optimus ride was quote-unquote accu hired and boy do they make that very clear in the press release that it was not an acquisition it was an accu hire is this the beginning steps of the shuttle market for autonomous autonomy starting to close and shut down and realize that there is no economic path to profitability the problem with the shuttle market i think was that really all of the efforts that were out there in the shuttle market, and maybe I'm overstating it, really couldn't see their way out of the testing phase and out of the phase in which they could remove the attendant. Okay? And so if you can't see yourself emerging at some point without labor costs in each one of the vehicles, then the automation is, it has zero value. I mean, it looks like the shuttle market in, in 1970 or 1955 or 1930 or 1915. You know, you have a driver, you have a, you know, you have jitneys operating up and down along the, the, the trolleys in LA. Okay. It doesn't look any, the automation has to get to a point where it is so darn good that you don't need an attendant to have a business. Then you can take that labor charge and take it out of there. And what that labor charge allows you to do is do two things. It allows you to operate between many more pairs, points, dynamically, because you have an algorithm controlling the vehicle as opposed to convincing a driver, a human to do it, which is 
It's easier to, I claim, even much easier to do it algorithmically than, hey, Joe, you have to go from here to here. Jane, you have to do that and then turn around and go do that. I mean, some of them say, no, I have to go to the bathroom. I need lunch break. I do, you know, time for me to sleep. I have to go take my kid. <clears throat> Who knows what they do? And the other thing, to me, a key thing that you can do with a vehicle is you can sit at some place and wait for the demand. Okay? Instead of moving it empty, you have it sit. Again, I always use the elevator analogy. Look at what happens to elevators. Okay? At night, what do they do? They come down to the ground floor and they wait for people. And they're there and somebody shows up, they go up. In the morning, what do they do? They park them up there at the top of the building, wait for people who want to come down. But they're just not they're just not moving empty up and down. On a bus route, what do you have? You have a bus driver. Maybe, you know, when there's a lot of demand, a lot of people back there. Who good? Ten o'clock in the morning, there's nobody. Does the bus stop? No, they they have a schedule. They run every whatever. Still run empty. Why? Why? Because we we have to have this, you know, repetitive sort of thing that what to do, do. If you had an algorithm, boom, wait there, take you there, take you there. Wait around two o'clock in the morning. Grayson needs to go someplace. Boom, you go. It's waiting for you. In fact, you know, middle of the night, middle of the day, low no demand periods. Stuff's just waiting like a little puppy dog, as I like to say, just waiting to, to serve you. Okay. Distribute it. You distribute it so that, you know, the probability that somebody's going to need demand there, da, da, D, you do all the algorithms and the, for that. Beautiful. But you can only do that when you've taken the, the person out of there. And I think all the other, all the shuttle programs were sort of, you know, transit demonstration program to show it with, 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 with attendance on board and they weren't focused singularly focus on getting that stuff to work well enough in an operational design domain that now you can remove that entity, I think. And so they were all doomed. They, they were, and they were, they were done as demonstration programs with, with a finite time, with finite money, and without you know, enough money to get it to a point where they thought that they could actually go out and do it without an attendant and have the people feel comfortable and have the operator feel comfortable that the thing isn't going to, my goodness, we're bankrupt because of we bet the ranch on it and something happened. The, the models were broken. Some of the companies will remain anonymous. They looked at it as a quick flip. Get the IP, prove it out, quick flip. They didn't dedicate the engineering resources that were needed. You're 100% right about the focus on removing the attendant. They didn't focus on that. It was demos, demos, demos. If we can't get the quick flip, we can get government money. There was no clear economic path of how to make a sustainable business. And that's what their downfall. And and their heartbreaking was from a technical standpoint, that was another huge downfall. People do not want to get jerked around in, in a shuttle. They just were out-engineered at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a gimmick. It was a toy. It wasn't it wasn't really you know moving people who needed who really would value it and 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 so on. And and it was it was it was done on, maybe on the cheap, maybe on the whatever. You know, that's a lot of you know negative connotations on it. But it, 
it wasn't really focused on providing mobility to people who really needed it. All of them wanted to talk to you about driverless and how when LIDARs and SCHMIDARs and WIDARs and who knows what ARs, you know, as opposed to, hey, all we're trying to do is get somebody from A to B safely and try to do it affordably. Why do you need the? It's the cost that has to be affordable, not the price. Okay, because if, uh, if the cost is high, we can always subsidize enough to make the price low for a while. Then we run out of money. If the, if the cost is low, we only need a little bit of money. We can maybe even sustain it. We can maybe make it free for some folks. But all of a sudden, if the production cost is low, we can have market pricing elsewhere. Oh my goodness, it's a lemonade stand. We're going to make, it's going to be a business. Okay? That's what it has to be. It has to be a business. It can't be cute here, cute there, press release here, press release there, mirrors and smoke and whatever. It, it, you're right, because what they missed was the future mobility. The future mobility will be defined by convenience. Consumers want convenience. That's why they own a vehicle. If they can afford it, that's why they like gas because they can go where they want. It's all about convenience. But then there's other, you know, socioeconomic in the United States, they can't afford convenience and they're all, they're overlooked. And you've been a very vocal champion for Trenton, New Jersey. You're working on the Trenton Moves project. Talk about that, please. Well, I mean, Trenton moves. I mean, the, the key difference between Trenton or the Trentons of this world, of which there are at least 100 of them in, in the United States, we've gone and done the demographics. You know, there are places where, where the auto ownership is low. In Trenton, 70% of the households have access to zero or one car. Okay? 70% of the households. Now, that's not because we have a great subway there that they can all take the subway. No, I mean, we don't have a subway. There are only 90,000 people live in Trenton, eight square miles. Chandler, Arizona, 70% of the households have access to two or more cars. Okay? So if you look at the potential customers out there and you're going to develop a mobility system and you want it to serve a substantial portion of the people that you want to serve. In Chandler, you have to compete against people that have cars available. Okay? So, I mean, I have cars available here. All right? I can go any anytime I want to. Almost any place I want, drop of a hat. Okay? If you want me as a customer, you're going to have to do better than that, or at least as good as that. Whoa, man, I'm going to be tough. Whereas in Trenton, most unfortunately, the people, you know, what do they have access to? Walking and a bus. Where's the bus go? A couple of places. Probably not where they want to go. It may not even go from where they are. So all of a sudden, if you offer a, a mobility opportunity, that's maybe not quite as good as, as having your own car. In Chandler, you get killed. Nobody's going to pick you. Put it in any uh, um, um, logic 
model for mode choice. Any mode choice model is going to go, whoa, man, you're going to get killed. Nobody's going to pick you because of what they got. In Trenton, oh my goodness, this is like gold relative-wise because they don't got nothing. And all of a sudden, my argument is, is hey, okay, we're, we've tried it in, in Chandler. Very good, happy, wonderful, nice. Okay, but guess what? The marketplace isn't out there. Oh, man, I want to use it. Because if, if, if they wanted to use it, we, I think we would hear all about it from, from Waymo. Oh, man, we used to have a, only a couple hundred vehicles. Now we have a, a several thousand. I would think they would be telling us about it. I would, I would think. Maybe, they, maybe it is, but I, I don't know. I don't have any inside information. But in Trenton, you know, I think that, that this, you know, not quite as good level of mobility as a car, people would say, my goodness, this is the best thing since sliced bread. It's going to allow me to go shoot hoops. Kids, kids that go to Trenton schools, if you have to live greater than a mile and a half away from a school before they'll provide mobility for you. So you live a mile away, you're hoofing it. My goodness, we want to serve kids going to school. And if the if the fathers think that maybe the system is unsafe and 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 maybe you know the whatever, then we invite the father to go to school with the kid on the vehicle. And we'll bring him home. So he'll get to see it. And 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 so the, my passion is to try to get it started in Trenton. And the view of the operational design domain in Trenton is within Trenton, is to establish kiosks. We call them kiosks. I'm not sure that that's the right name. Appreciate anybody who has a better name. But they're locations where under low demand, these vehicles can be parked there waiting for somebody to come to the kiosk. We have basically 50 locations throughout Trenton quarter, each one serving like a quarter of a square mile, okay, means that max walk distance is a quarter of a mile, five minutes, okay, all over the city. You get in, vehicle, takes you to where you want to go, takes you where you want to go. Purpose of the kiosk is to, is to, is to have it a community asset, that the community loves, cherishes, believes it is in their character, and will protect it. I know that if somebody wanted to build a kiosk here in in um, in, in in my neighborhood here in Princeton, damn it, I would be in the meeting saying, "Hey, you know, we'll tell you how that thing should be designed." Don't you, nice from Florida? Beverly Hills, come tell us what we want here. We know what, well, of course, absolutely. Should have absolutely the character of the neighborhood. Absolutely. Shouldn't have somebody else's character. Shouldn't have some, oh, great architect, consultant, designer, bull. Okay. And, and now if a couple people show up that want to go here, they can share the vehicle. Just like we do with elevators. We only want people to come to Trenton whose technology works. The attendant is to acclimate the customer to the technology, is to make the customer feel safe. 
just like I felt safe when I hopped in the cab in, in, in Manhattan earlier today. So we, have to, we think we're going to have to spend two years acclimating the people to the technology so they feel comfortable, so they, they see that it helps them. And now at that point, then, you know, attendance not doing anything because, of course, the technology works. It only has to work in eight square miles. Holy macro, if we can't get it to work in eight square miles, you know, a subset of the streets, the easiest intersections, the easiest streets to operate on. How are we ever going to do anything? So we should be able to do that and get it to work there. And, and all of a sudden, hey, they love it. And then we can take that and expand the operational design. Zone. But then I think that we have a situation in which the customer demand, because they're acclimated, will then drive the mobility. There'll more be, be more people wanting to use it, and therefore more service, and therefore more vehicles, and therefore the momentum. And then all of a sudden we grow it. You grow this and it's a network thing. You know, this is a big bang that then explodes, I think. You have eight square miles of hope and inspiration. That's what you're creating. That, yeah, no. And, and what we did to do it is uh, to do that, we, I felt that we needed a field of dreams. We needed to have a welcoming environment by all of the players, not only the 50 neighborhoods and the 90,000 people, but, 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 uh, but, but public safety, but, but the business community, uh, athletics, schools, schools, key superintendents, superintendent schools today, um, um, uh, as well as the mayor, the commissioner of transportation, the legislature on the assembly, on the, on the, um, on, on the, on the Senate side, and in the end, the governor. And from what I can see in his public pronouncements on this and his press releases on this, he is, he is all in. But let's take it to the next level. You will start operating these vehicles in Trenton. You're going to create jobs. You're going to inspire children to go into engineering. You're going to inspire them to this. Think about the positive economic impact that will have. They can perhaps move out of Trenton and buy a, a family home. That's going to become really special. Or stay in Trenton and, and, and fix up their home or whatever. Or, you know, have the system extend, expand beyond Trenton to all of Mercer County so that they can get to the Amazon warehouse in, in, in Robbinsville where the $15 jobs are. And if their only skill allows them to have a, the, 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 the night shift, they'll at least be able to go out, go out there and punch in regularly and not get fired. Can you imagine if you don't have a car? to get to the Amazon warehouse and work the night shift in your first week, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to punch in on You're fired. In, you're fired before you're hired. You don't have a chance. How many Ubers can you really afford? Okay. If you're paying the Uber driver, not the Uber drivers willing to work for nothing. How many are willing to work for Never mind. We, we're not going to go there. When when this is achieved, going back to the baseball analogy, does this the is this the bottom of the first or is this the top of the second when Trenton is operating and individuals are, are going to jobs? If, if, if what I've said with you know for two years we're going to operate Trenton twelve by seven by three hundred and fifty twelve hours a day seven days a week three hundred and fifty days a year 
we're not trying to solve the heavy snow problem, the, the torrential, the hurricane, the, the deep problem. If there's heavy snow, you know, shovel the snow, then we'll get out there. Okay, all this business that this stuff has to go. No, let's do that. In two years, be able to pull the driver so that we can go 24 by 7 by 350. And take those attendants and take them out throughout Mercer County and increase that origin or, or the the operational design domain. And do that now for two years in this area, in this area, 24. Okay. By then, boom, it'll be faster in two years because you've already proved in Trenton. Then once you do that, then you do the same thing starting in Newark, starting in Camden, starting in, in Tom's River, starting in Atlantic City, starting in, in, in Cape May, all over the state. That's a market. And then once you do that, holy hell, you can go everywhere. I would think that that's what an, uh, a, a Waymo, a Ford Argo, a, a, a Zooks Amazon, or a GM Cruise would want to do create a business out of this and then all of a sudden you might become as good as my cars and all of a sudden the hell with my cars I, you know leave me there i use this but that, i'm not they're not going to start with me because with me if you start with me it's going to be like a disneyland ride it's going to be a you know a circus as opposed to getting me to improve my quality of life to improve myself to raise myself when you achieve what you're working on achieving in Trenton, you're going to have an, a very positive economic impact on the com local community. You'll have a positive economic impact on the state. And most importantly, you're going to create jobs, individuals that might have to go a little bit further to, to get a better job. They'll be able to go or for that child that has to walk a mile and a half in a freezing cold snowstorm to school. You offer them a warm, safe ability to get to school. And that's a realistic thing. And that's something that you should be proud of because you're doing good by society. And that's what mobility does. That, that's what fun. The reason we go someplace is to improve our personal quality of life. Okay. That's why we go someplace. Otherwise we wouldn't go there. We would stay at home. And so if you provide this, the opportunity for people to do that even more for themselves, my goodness. And you have the opportunity right here. You environmental benefit. This thing has nothing but wins. Now, you know, it seems like, hey, you know, Cornhouse, or, you know, it sounds like a lot of snake oil or someone here and whatever. Yeah, that's what's amazing to me is 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 the positives on this thing are. And we haven't even talked about necessarily making it safer than what we already have. But it has that, too. But that's not the mobility is the key. And the equity of the mobility is absolutely the key. Because so many people, 20% of our population almost, is left behind because they don't have, hey, if I'm a two-person family and I have one car, then what, my wife stays home in the, in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant? I mean, you know, while I'm out, you know, going around my car? What the hell? Why doesn't she deserve mobility? Or maybe she's out with it. Why don't I deserve mobility? Okay, but all this just levels the mobility playing field. I might have to walk two minutes and hop on, you know? It's going to level the playing field and it's going to make society better for all, not just, you know, select groups. That's what I think. And it's not just out there trying to do, you know, do something for the 1% of the 1%. I mean, you know, just not interested in doing that. 
they, they, they do that for themselves very well anyway. What the hell do you think? I can really help them. I can't help them. Alan, we've covered a ton of ground on this conversation. It's been delightfully fun. It's been insightful. Princeton, by the way, is an incredible school and must be an honor to teach there. And you've hosted me for your conference, and thank you. I look forward to attending your next in-person one. What would you like our listeners to take away with them from this conversation? Uh, I guess, you know, um, uh, that, that there's real, op- real opportunity for mobility in this technology on the one hand, okay, to, to really help a lot of folks who, who really would benefit enormously from it, we think. And then, of course, on the other hand, for the cars that we drive, I mean, I, I just know that the, the systems that are in cars now with respect to the intelligent cruise control and, and, and the, the lane centering, they're just that, they're, they're a lot easier to drive and it is more pleasant. But boy, you still have to pay attention. You still have to pay attention. You can't hop in the backseat. You can't goof around. You can't misbehave. Be respectful. Grow up. <laughs> that's a valid point and we'll see what happens with the california lawsuit and it's right a vehicle is a weapon and it can do great harm and if you are driving it or using a high level of adas please pay attention because it can get very dangerous as we've seen publicly documented yeah and, and please try to follow the rules of the road yeah sure maybe you you know exceed the speed limit a little bit but the rest of it come on you know relax Be safe. As Alan says, relax, because we're all eventually going to get there, because today is tomorrow, tomorrow is today, and the future is autonomous. Alan, thank you so much for coming on SAE Tomorrow Today. Thank you. Love that. Always great. Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week when we speak with Shun Kuabe about Honda's electric vehicle takeoff and landing research and development program. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. 